0: Welcome to The Moon in Your Mind with your hosts, Chelsea Winter and Alyssa Ray. We are on a mission to build a community of empowered individuals to stay curious in their work, their relationships, and daily lives.
1: By interviewing experts and uniting astrology and psychology, we will hold the space to connect you to new wisdom, unique stories, and insightful resources for you to cultivate your best human experience. Let's get curious. You guys, we are so excited to share with you our newest offering, the Cosmic Consulting Program. We're combining Chelsea's wisdom of astrology and my background in somatic psychology to support you in finding more authentic alignment and embodiment in your life. As your Cosmic Consultants, we will provide you with a juicy natal chart reading, a consultation session with both Chelsea and myself, as well as a nourishing somatic coaching session with me. And if you want to go even deeper, we're offering two add-ons that you can choose from a personalized journal or a personalized meditation crafted by Chelsea and myself based on your chart consultation and coaching session to continue diving deeper into the work or you can choose both ready to begin. Shoot me an email at Alyssa at the moon and we'll schedule a consult. We can't wait to support you on your journey. Hi, loves. We are so honored to sit in connection with Salwa Achobe today. Salwa is a creator of Fundamental Hunger, a collective playground to grow intimacy around what it means to belong to ourselves while doing so with others. She loves reminding people of their inherent value and what it
2: means for each of us to have our own back.
1: Welcome to the moon in your mind. Thanks for coming.
2: Thank you. I actually love that you read that back to me because you know when you're always writing your own mm-hmm. bios, and I was like, oh yeah, I like that. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I love that it resonated.
0: <laughs> love that. Yeah. So we always want to start. We talk about your sun, moon, and rising. So you had let us know you're a Leo sun, a Virgo moon, and a Pisces rising. Mm-hmm. And so, how familiar are you with astrology? Do you know a lot about what that means? Not a lot.
2: Yeah. I think I'm like intermediate or maybe like one, I could graduate to intermediate. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's so fun. I think astrology is a really fun tool to better get to know myself. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that, well, actually for a really long time, I didn't have my birth time Mm. because, um, I was, you know, and I'm sure we'll get into it more, but I was born in Uganda, East Africa. And my mom didn't know when I, there was no paperwork like or she lost my birth certificate and you know uh, she's like why do you need this time and i'm yes. like my astrology chart and she is like i cannot with you i don't know what that means leave me alone <laughs> yes. i love that and i'm like this is so important <laughs> i need to know the time and so she thought she's like i think you were born in the morning she was in labor with me for multiple days so it was really hard my dad actually was like you were born at 9:50 p.m. and i was like wow that's really specific it also could not be more different than the morning <laughs> that your mom yeah. said. Yeah. And I was like, I really <laughs> want to believe you, but I don't know. And so I got a birth time rectification mm. session and my chime was 9.53. Wow. Wow. And it's exactly what a lot of people say where most people round. So my dad was just rounding. Wow. But the rounding, like it matters. I mean, yeah. it matters obviously. So, oh, um, yeah, I was born at 9.53 PM. And I think when we went over it with, The woman who did my my chart, I was like, yes, this this connects. And you know, you go through like major themes. It was really cool how they she put it together. And so I think Leo Sun, Virgo Moon, Pisces Rising, it all pretty much tracks for me, I think. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you like first knowing someone, maybe, but I think, yeah, I think that it tracks. Like I'm very much Leo energy, but I'm also really sensitive, Pisces. I'm also, a lot of times people think that I'm like very zen and calm, like a lot of jobs I've had. And I think that that's probably my Pisces, like in the clouds, because I'm very in the clouds a lot, (laughs) you know, and then my Virgo moon and like organization and details and which isn't very, I'd say it's more like you have to either get to know me or I know that very deeply, which is like that moon emotional need. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it all tracks.
0: Yeah, no, that's incredible. And, you know, I was like looking at your website before this and stuff like that. And I feel like you had something on your website about how you'll like make a giant leap and like really put yourself out there and then like go back into hiding. Mm -hmm. Like some, I'm paraphrasing, (laughs) but it was something like that. And I was like, oh, that's totally like the Leo that's like, jump out, like do these big things. And then like the Virgo and Pisces are like, okay. And then we're just going to kind of like, go back into the background again. And like Pisces is like, I just want to be in my own world. And Virgo's like, don't look at me.
2: Like, I just, I'm here to help, but like not in the
0: back. Yeah. yeah,
2: That makes so much sense. Cause I do have those moments where I'm like, I have so much to say right now I'm alive. And then I'm like, okay, I'm good. And now I'm just going to be like you said, in my own world, that's very much me. Mm -hmm. Anyone listening will be like, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. 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 And I feel like also just, there's so much too about helping people like especially with Virgo like Virgo is all so there's all the organization but there's also just this huge part of being in service to others that's so important with Virgo mm-hmm. that I think people tend to forget and I feel like Virgo gets kind of a bad rap
2: for that yeah you're right it's very much known for just the like due diligence of like you know a pro- being like a program manager <laughs> and like that's yeah. it <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yes. Yeah. But really like, I mean, they, yes, very organized and very good, but yeah, I feel like there's also just so much about like being in service and helping everyone and wanting everyone to be their best selves. And I feel like that obviously, you know, we'll get into it, but like you're a coach, you work with people like that just like shines through so much.
2: Yeah. Thank you. That's why I'm like, I'm not intermediate yet. Like, I feel like I have, you know, when (laughs) that's like the basics of what most, what most signs are you know their high and low expression like the main ones that people know but mm-hmm. not necessarily like the hidden gems mm-hmm.
0: yeah 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 and so i guess you know just want to hear about your background and your upbringing so you said you were born in uganda right mm-hmm. so yeah. start there and then tell us what you're comfortable <laughs> with
2: <laughs> i was born there um my both of my parents were born and raised there i still have family there on both sides of my family and i moved to the states uh, Washington State, specifically where I grew up, like three or four ish, no one really kind of remembers the exact time, but my parents went without me. So I was without them for like a year ish in Uganda. So that was probably my first, after doing a lot of inner child work, that was probably my first form of abandonment, I would say. Mm-hmm. Not in a way that they were ultimately long term and for security of our family was for a good reason. But I did think about what that did to me at a young age. Cause my mom tells this story and I woke up in the middle of the night and I saw their like, and I never woke up apparently in the middle of the night that she said. And like, I woke up that night, you know, my Pisces intuition, I was like, they're leaving. <laughs> and like, I saw the bags and I started crying and she was like, it was the hardest. Like, she was, like, I almost didn't go. We had to leave. But yeah, and she's like, you woke up and you knew, you knew that we were gone, like that we were going. And obviously, you know, you're young, and there were no phones, there was nothing. So I didn't see them again until I was a little older, and they were just like, yeah, I'm like, you know, I'm your mom, and I was like, cool, yeah, wow. <laughs> like I don't remember, because really. um, I was so little. So those are some early memories, and then we grew up in Washington. And then I lived in LA for seven years. And then I finally moved to New York where I always wanted to be in 2018 of December. And I've been here ever since.
1: That's awesome. So what was it like for you from what you could remember moving from Uganda to Washington State? And then even like, I I forget, you just said it, but how long were you in Washington State for before you moved to LA? And
2: those are two very different places Mm -hmm. as well as New York, right? So even everywhere. (laughs) I always wanted to leave Washington. I always wanted to leave Seattle. I was like, this place sucks. <laughs> I want to go. There's more to life. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I like, And I grew up in the suburbs of it. And it was just always like, in my heart, I was always like, I want to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something i have known for from a very young age as I wanted to wander and like do bigger, more things and be around more people and places and learn more. And I I don't really remember moving so much because I was so little. You know, I have stories from my parents telling me how, because I didn't speak English when I got here. And so, (laughs) and there's this one story where like, my mom tells me about like, I was in school And I left my like coat on the bus and I was like trying to tell these teachers that I left it and no one could understand me. And then finally they understood me and I came home and I was like just speaking in in my native language, Uganda. And I was just like basically saying that, you know, these teachers don't know what they're doing and they couldn't understand me. And like, I shouldn't be listening to them because they like don't know what
0: they're (laughs) doing.
2: Oh my goodness.
0: You're like, I'm better than them. I'm
2: smarter than them. Well, I think I don't remember those things, but I can imagine that it was pretty hard to be new and not, and have those Mm -hmm. barriers. So, you know, I don't have a vivid memory of it, but I can only imagine that it was probably pretty hard until it wasn't. And then it was kind of challenging in other ways because it was, um, it was a really small school I was like the only black kid in my entire grade, it, you know, so it came with a lot of different forms of feeling othered. And I think that's also why I always wanted to leave because I was in the suburb and I was in this small school and I'm like, I want to go. And I knew New York would be when the first time I fell in love with New York is when we went in high school. So I lived in, in Washington state till after college, I went to college in Seattle. So I left, I think 25 to LA, so LA was kind of like the first stop because I I knew I always wanted to go to New York, but I went to LA because I wanted to be a host, a TV host. Oh my gosh! Um, I used to want to be a news wow. anchor, and then I was like, well, I don't really want to move to Idaho and like talk about the news. Like I just kind of like heard the trajectory of like what you kind of have to do. Hmm. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> let's, go to, let's go to LA, and so I went and I did like hosting classes, and then I was just like too chicken to actually ever audition. I got like too scared. So I I never pursued it, but you know, I think the drive was always there. And obviously I'm a coach and I have, I'm using the kind of the same essence of why I wanted to pursue TV hosting, you know, so it hasn't like left. Mm -hmm. And I think that desire is still there. It just has manifested in a different way that I didn't know it was going to. Mm -hmm. That's awesome.
0: Yeah.
2: That's really cool.
0: TV host. Well, I was gonna say, I feel like it's so interesting um hearing what people wanted to be when they were growing up. Cause I always feel like it's those really big things, right? Like you wanted to be an actress, you want I feel like everyone wanted to be a marine biologist. Like I feel like there's certain things like everybody wanted to be. And then seeing now what people are doing and how it relates, even though, you know, most people are not actresses, most people are not marine biologists, most people are not these like, you know, a firefighter or a cop, but like yeah, What people were drawn to about those things like show up in their adult life is so interesting.
2: Yeah. So I'm not surprised. It totally makes sense that that's something that I wanted to do that ver- like then. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that still is there. It just looks different. But the essence of it is still very real. That's
0: awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like you have a podcast, right? So I feel like yeah. you... You know, you've got some of that hosting stuff going on.
2: That is very true. And I do love talking to people. So there you go. It's perfect.
1: <laughs> I feel like a podcast yeah. is like the modern day TV host. So your dream came true. Exactly. <laughs> Which is perfect. But random question, why is Idaho the trajectory? I've never heard of that.
2: Oh, that was one example. But just like when you start in a small market Got it. to get that experience before you can go somewhere bigger mm-hmm. also that might have changed that so anyone listening <laughs> who's like i did it another way because that, that's definitely not the only way right of course there's infinite possibilities but at the time that's what they said they're like you'll probably go to a small market so you can that's where you'll be given i was told you would be given a chance to even be on camera mm-hmm. like no one's going to do it in like a big mm-hmm. right like you need a lot of experience so you get that experience somewhere really small and somewhere really small when I already wanted to leave Washington, I was like, "Yeah,
1: <laughs> not going to Idaho now. We're going straight to LA. Yeah. That's not happening." Oh I just saw Idaho was like, exactly. "I was like, is there a random hub of like training for TV hosts <laughs> that I don't know about?" But <laughs> <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> okay, that makes
2: sense. It's like a small market in like a nowhere Town.
1: <laughs> Like
2: my yeah. worst nightmare. That makes sense. <laughs>
1: That's so funny. So when you got to LA, you were there for seven years. You said how was that experience for you? And how, like, what did your relationship with your family change at all because you did move away or how did that all impact it?
2: Um, I wouldn't say, I mean, I think most like in my family, I'm definitely the one that is, has been more brave in it. Like my parents always just like, who, like, you're just going to go? And I'm like, yeah, I don't really have a plan. Like, I'm just going to go figure it out. And I did. I was living nanny, like, for a majority of that time until I went, like, into the actual, like, you know, job market, if you will. And so I've always been, people don't get, like, my family doesn't really get that. They accept it and they're like, that's Salwa, but it's, they're just like, what, what are you doing? Like, where are you going? Where are you living? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm great. Like, everything's fine. Like, you guys should try it. Um
0: Your parents <laughs> um, are like, but, they did their big move yeah. already. They're done. I know,
2: they, I know my mom. I'm like, my mom would say, you know, I don't know how you got, I'm like, mom, you, are yeah. you joking? Like you <laughs> started this. What are you talking about? Like you did some of the hardest things. I'm like, you have it in you as well. It was definitely more of a, uh, survival, definitely very different circumstances, but still a fear and just kind of like going for it, you know, and figuring mm-hmm. it out. So I'm like, I got it from you. Actually, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. But LA was great until I didn't want to be there anymore. And again, I always wanted to move to New York and I am so at home here. Like New York is my home. I love it. I've loved it ever since we first came. I was like, I have to go to New York. I need to live in New York. And that, that desire never went away until I finally moved. And, and it's, you guys are familiar with astro cartography? Yeah. So like my, I believe my moon sign is really, my moon line is really close to New York. And I did, I did so... Much healing here, mm-hmm. which makes yeah. totally sense. T- total sense. I think why I felt like mm-hmm. home to me from how I understand a little bit of what I know about those that line. When I was reading about it, I was like, "Oh, that makes so much sense." Why I felt really safe mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. and like a lot of that emotional growth happened. While I was, as I've been mm-hmm. in New York for sure, it like skyrocketed when wow. I moved. I did so many things. Like I just, it just took oh off. My gosh.
1: I want to hear more about that. But for those listening and Chelsea, you got to correct me. Both of you have to correct me if I'm wrong. Cause I'm, I'm the, I'm not an intermediate astrologer. I'm the therapist on this podcast. So I leave the astrology to Chelsea, but your moon line has to do with obviously your moon sign, right? And your moon sign is really about like your relationship with yourself and your internal world.
0: Am I getting this correct? Yeah and so I think your moon line is kind of like everything Saba was just saying is it's where your like inner growth yeah. will be. And so all the different lines represent different things and I'm not an expert on cartography either but yeah that's my understanding of the moon line.
1: Well very cool. So tell us as much as you're comfortable obviously but what did that growth mm-hmm. look like? What did that healing look like? What are the tools and and things that you picked up on?
2: Yeah, I mean it definitely started when I was still in LA but then when I moved Cause I think it started in LA, but then I moved a year later and then it really, it went like rocket speed. Looking back, I'm like, wow, I did a, I did a lot of stuff and I still do. But at the time I didn't, you know, when you're so in it, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how brave I was being. I think I did. But looking back, I was like, oh wow. (laughs) Yeah, I did a lot. But I would say it, you know, it started with a really big rock bottom after a trip with one of my really good friends. And I was just really sad and I was very emotionally avoidant, which I hadn't known at the time that I didn't learn until I moved to New York, what that phrase even meant, how it showed up in my childhood, all of that. But I was really detached from myself emotionally and that rock bottom, I was just like, something has to change. And I basically just declared that I was ready to be shown how to make those changes and you know when you're ready and you kind of boldly declared and you stand behind something, I think you get the answers and you don't only really get them because I think we get answers very constantly, but you're able to see them. And so I got, you know, little books and I had all the little steps that like, you know, hand held me towards where I am today. And it only got deeper and deeper, but it started with just like, oh, this book. And like, oh, randomly that person wrote the book that I finished is now speaking in nearby. And so I'm going to their, you know, little, very kismet things like that, finding new podcasts and exploring that and being open and very curious. And so that was all really just kind of like a self-study of like, what am I learning? Why am I so detached from myself? What's like the shame I'm holding on to? you know, why do I feel like I can't let people in romantically or friends and just like really diving into that with literature and podcasts and other people who just knew what they were talking about. And then when I moved to New York is when I started and I I did find, you know, I was a to be magnetic coach for a couple of years until March of this year. And I did, TBM came in my life a little like halfway through, maybe less than halfway through like that rock bottom. Mm -hmm. And so I found that and it was like really early when it was like not what it is now in terms of all of the offerings and and how far they've taken it. And then when I moved to New York, I got deeper into that. And I was doing like EMDR Mm -hmm. therapy and I was doing just like a lot of like shadow and inner child stuff and facing a lot of things and facing a lot of people and moving to New York was a big dream, but it was also a huge rock bottom when I got there because I was like, not that prepared as I thought I, you know, it was a very, it was like a jump without a lot of, a lot of, um, not much was integrated prior to that leap. Mm -hmm. So it was challenging when I landed because I was like, Oh, you know, like, still me, still here. still have all this stuff. And I'm like, crap. Now I'm like alone in this big city and it's really expensive. This is really hard. <laughs> and so it was a big learning curve. And I think that that also propelled me to face a lot of shame and like hurt and like, and be really vulnerable with where I was and with people in my life and just like really putting myself out there, asking for help, meeting new people. And, and I think that that's, why the trajectory of my healing in New York specifically happened so big because I was so out of my comfort zone. I was in it, but I was so, I was not as well. And I, I had to really not just kind of, okay, I'm applying for jobs and all these things. I'm like, you have to, there's like some fundamental shifts to how you relate to yourself that you need to put in the work
1: I appreciate you sharing all of that. And I i just wonder, I mean, there are quotes about New York City of just like, it is fierce and like, it eats you alive and all of that stuff. And I feel like everyone is always tested when they get there and in big ways. And it sounds like you're aware of it though. And and so I'm curious about like, how did you navigate that and, and find your strength and not just like throw in the towel and be like, oh, I can't do this. Like, I got to move back
2: or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think that that is really true, right? New York can eat you live and it really can. But that's not my experience Mm -hmm. with New York. I wouldn't say let's eat me live. I say that it's really broken me open. Mm -hmm. I've never felt swallowed in a way that I was drowning or suffocating. I mean, there are times, right? You're New York City, everything is way more confronting, whether it is just because it's <laughs> raining outside or the trade, like everything is just more confronting, right? Whether you're just going to try and get your groceries, whether you're at everything, is just, a, is, is harder in a way, or you're confronted with it in a different way. You're not like, you know, in LA, like everyone's still pissed off. They're just in a car. Like, New York, we can be angry, but like, we're all walking and we're all trying to get on the train. It's a very different experience. So you're going to run into people experiencing more things and emotions throughout the day because we are all side by side, Mm -hmm. you know, like, so different. So I wouldn't say that, you know, I I think New York gets a a lot of, a lot of hate and whatever and shade. And that's totally fine because honestly, like one thing I'm going to say is, someone who lives in new york and wants to be here like anyone who has anything bad to say about it i'm like i really could care less like great don't come yeah. like there's plenty of people like <laughs> i do not care about your opinion I about York. Yeah. i just don't i'm like i'm like i don't know i'm like okay mm-hmm. yeah like i don't care <laughs> i live here cuz i want to live here so anyways that's a, another tangent so i would say that it broke me open i think you can easily get swept away because it is very fast fast paced i had very demanding jobs when I moved here that burnt me out like to the Mm -hmm. ground, very burnt out. But I wouldn't solely blame that on New York. I would also, I take accountability in the fact that that is how I operated with career, no matter where Mm -hmm. I was. So like, was it maybe more confronting in New York? Yes. Was it because it was New York? No, I wouldn't say that that's the only reason. And so- now, you know, I've had jobs and like I work for myself now and it's not that same level, that same energy. And I also moved here in my 30s, which is different than like if I moved in my 20s, like I'm, I'm, you know, it's a different decade of your life. So it's, I'm making different choices. I'm wanting different things. I'm less flailing, you know, like I was, but not the same way I was when I was 25. So like those 20s and mid-20s, I lived in LA. So moving to New York also, not being, you know, like 22 is going to be different than someone who's moving when they're like, you know, 31, which is, I think how old I was. Um, I'm forgetting your question now. <laughs>
1: you provided a lot of clarity and, and I don't even know what my question was. I think like, how did you find the strength to like keep going and not just like throw in the towel? Oh,
2: right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I knew I wanted to be here and like, I think you need to give new places a chance. Like, a year goes by so quickly. I don't even think like when people say you have to live there for at least a year, I don't think that's enough. Like a year, like you're, I feel like after a year, most places you're finally like, okay, like I'm good. Like I got my bearings. I'm like in a, in a flow. So I think a year goes by so quickly, you know, like I live in a space. We moved here almost a year ago. We're like needing to move again for other reasons, but like it took you know, I'm like, I feel like I just moved in here, but it's almost been a year, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I think I knew I needed to give myself time and I knew that everything that was happening was for a reason and I wasn't going to just, giving up wasn't an option. I think I always knew like the worst that can happen is you can go home. I'm like, but you hate Seattle, so you know you're not going to do that. Um, and so, and I wanted to be here. Like my heart wanted to be here. I was just going through something really hard and the transition was hard but it wasn't because I didn't want to be here. And I think that that was the difference that led me to not give up. And after a few months, like things got better and I was interviewing more and I'm like, okay, I have this new job that I want to be at. And I'm like, I'm more integrated in the city. And then like after a year, I got my own place. I moved into Soho. Like things started happening faster than, like it. it all started to neutralize and settle. And so I just, I wanted to, Know what it would be like if I didn't give up on myself, and I think that that's really important. I love that
1: you're making me want to move to New York because <laughs> <I'll laughs> like, it it sounds like you said it's very confronting. It's a mirror. It's a work that you need to do, and it kind of catalyzes that a little bit. I don't even know if that's a word, but yeah. I think how you express that and explain that is so beautiful, and it just I think it can be applied to anywhere and in any facet in any place. Right? Is like if you just continue to yeah. allow it to crack you open and move through that journey, it's, it actually turns out way better than you probably imagine it
2: to be, which is really cool. Yeah. And I don't want to live here anymore. Eventually then like we go somewhere mm-hmm. else, Yeah, you know, like, and that's yeah. okay. Like people yeah. live here a long time and leave. My partner has been here for like 13 years. Mm-hmm. So bless his heart. <laughs> when we met, I was like, listen, I'm not moving just so you know, <laughs> I just got here. So like, if you plan on leaving, like, See ya. <laughs> Be now or forever hold your peace.
1: That's awesome. That's so funny. Now, where is he from originally?
2: Um, he grew up in a couple places. Like, he was born in Texas, mm-hmm. but grew up like spent a lot of time in Maryland, like DC suburbs and Park City as well. Mm-hmm. But his family, his parents, retired in Park City, Utah. Um, got it. Okay. So he went to high school there. Got it.
1: You guys, yeah, both of you.
2: That's
1: awesome. So New Yorker bus yeah. for you too for a
2: while. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We love it. We love our friends here. And yeah, where I am is very important to me. Um, location is very important. How I feel when I come home, how I feel in my neighborhood, how I feel in it. My home is not just like the the walls that are in, like it is all of my mm-hmm. surroundings and like what's available to me, what I have access to. So New York being my home, I live in Brooklyn now, Brooklyn being my home, some of my favorite parts. I'm like, my home is huge in my head. I'm like, it's huge, right? Um, Because you don't go to New York to have a lot of space. So <laughs> you got <laughs> to, right? you got to, you got to break out. Yeah, exactly.
1: That's awesome. So tell us about too, kind of transitioning to work for yourself. Like, do you work from your home in your space or do you have like a WeWorks or office area? Like how was... The whole transition to working for yourself and being your own boss and
2: all that kind of stuff. Oh, it's still <laughs> happening. It's still, it's like a long, it's like it's like a slow burn. No, after I left my last job in New York at the end of 2020, when I was really burnt out, and then I started working for TBM full time. That was my first kind of foray. Well, actually I also, well, when I was working at that other job in New York, I had two jobs actually, which mm-hmm. is also why I was burnt out. And I had like a virtual job and then I had my other full-time job. I was working insane hours. I look back and I'm just like, what <laughs> on earth were you doing? Um, but I working like freelancing with T- or being my own contractor with TBM was my first time. And I would say that I had no idea really what I was in for. i like, I think I knew and I was like, oh, it's gonna be totally fine. But I think it was some rude awakenings around what that really meant to always go from having a job and a paycheck and kind of knowing to not knowing and having that ebb and flow and fluctuate and the responsibility you have to like, earn your lip, like, you know, I'm like, okay, I have to market. I have to do this. I have to do that. Like I have to step up because this, like my income and my security is also reliant on how much I'm showing up. Not just how much I'm, not how I'm working for a company, not how I'm hiding behind a brand, but like what I, like Salwa myself has to step up. I have to go online. I have to do all these things. And that was really hard because I was like, Oh shoot. Like I have to be that host that was, I like was too scared to audition for basically. Right. And I'm like, Oh no, like I know I was going to do this, but I actually have to go on camera and I have to answer people's questions off like with no preparation. And I, you know, there's all these things and I didn't realize how scared and hard that was. I was like, Oh my gosh. And that took that was a big learning curve for me to get out of my head, to be able to be witness and to be seen, to see myself, to be comfortable giving advice. And like, am I, what am I talking about? What am I, do? you know, it was so hard. It was so hard. I was scared most of the time in the beginning, obviously. And I would cry after like live events because I was like, I did so terrible. And like, I don't know what I said. I didn't make any sense. And, you know, all, it was just, it was a ride. (laughs) ride. (laughs) And I don't think you would have necessarily known that. And, you know, maybe that's my Leo, maybe that's my natural, whatever. But I was petrified Mm. often. And I was really scared to get it wrong. I was really scared to sound like an idiot. I was really scared to, I was, yeah, I was just, I was just scared. And so when I think about going on my own, it wasn't just like, you know, the financial discrepancies or like getting through that or like, you know, all of the admin stuff or anything. It was, it was a lot about the energy around, am I, can I stand on my own and having to break that pattern of relying on another source to speak for me, um, to like, to rely on them for my security. And that took a long time. And even now after leaving TBM and fully like having my own LLC with Fundamental Hunger and doing my own coaching and forming my own workshops, it's even more real. Cause it's like, TBM was like a, in between like, oh, it's starting. And I learned so much and who I am now. Like I don't have these fears. I don't second guess. I don't have, I don't cry after I go on a line. Like, you know, none of those things are happening. I feel much more confident in who I am. And I trust that I will reach those that are available to me. And so that's not there so much anymore, but I think it's still like, okay, Saul, you're your own boss. And I forget that very often um and maybe that's not, that's not great but they're and of not in the sense of like i don't have things to do i don't i'm not like i you know i i outline i'm like okay this is a creative day this is a you know i'm doing all those things but i think um like oh no and you are the ceo you are the boss you are the, you are everything and sometimes i'm like oh yeah i am okay i'm do yes that is me and assuming that position has been Something that I've resisted, Mm. you know? And so that's, I think, what's made it really hard. And now I'm just like, you have to lean in. And what is the best way that I can be a conscious participant in the choice that I have made, which is to work for myself and just like moving to New York and not giving up, even though there are times where I'm like, I just want to give up. And should I just get a job? Because wouldn't that just be easier? And it wouldn't, would it be easier? Maybe in some ways, but it would just break my heart because I know that's not what I want to do. And so right now I'm just day by day still kind of like, I don't want to give up on myself. I just want to know what it looks like to fully to fully take a chance.
1: That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing all that. And I think... I would have never known that about you because I've heard you on other podcasts and I've seen you show up in the TBM community. And so when you started saying that, I was like, no, like there's no way that she like had those fears and and the confidence issues. Right. But it's just so cool to see that like you have really learned how to take up space in that way and really learned that like your gifts are incredible. And like what you offer people and even what you offer yourself deserves to be put in, in the spotlight, right? you deserve to be the TV host or whatever host you are that day, which is awesome. Thank you so what what work did you do throughout that process to overcome that? like specifically, how did you learn to step into
2: your power and into your confidence? You know, along with like inner healing type things, I think the one thing that I say and I usually share with people is that you have to practice, and I think we want experience through like learning about it or through not showing up at all. And then one day it's like, okay, now I'm going to just know, and I'm just going to come in and everything's going to be good. And it's like, well, no, you just have to practice being scared until that, that doesn't stop you anymore. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I just think like I practice all the time. I recorded myself constantly. And watched it back, which was so painful at first. I was like, Oh my God, this is terrible. Like, what am I doing? What am I saying? (laughs) What is going on? (laughs) Um, why does your face look like that? And, you know, and all of these silly Mm -hmm. things that didn't matter that I know now, but you, I had to be comfortable with my voice. And how do I get comfortable if I'm constantly running away from like, Oh, I can't Mm -hmm. listen to that podcast. Oh, I can't listen to that. Like, Oh, I'm too scared. It's like, you better listen and notice anything and like yes have um good feedback for yourself that is like is that is encouraging and constructive and also i was like you have to stop being timid of yourself mm-hmm. this is ridiculous this is not going to get you anywhere like if you keep hiding if you keep running away from every time you go in the spotlight and like pretend that it didn't happen and like you just want to go and run and hide and And not in the sense of, I want to now go replenish or take care of myself, but like hide, right? And like being scared and and shrinking. It's very different. And so I had to practice watching myself, looking at myself, learning, doing it more constantly, whether someone was watching or someone was not watching. It's just, can I get used to the power of my voice and who I am and standing in that? And I think that you have to give yourself a chance and you have to practice in any kind of way that's possible as opposed to not doing anything and then waiting for this perfect opportune time because that's what would happen. I wouldn't, I'd be so scared I would hide from it and then I'd have to go show up and then it would be a disaster afterwards because I'm like, oh my God, this was so jarring to my nervous system. But the more I practiced and I was with myself, it wasn't. I was just like, oh, I know her. Okay, like it's it's okay. And it got better and better and better. And so That practice was really critical. And just what was I so scared of people believing about me? And how much of that was I projecting onto the world? Because I think sometimes we can say, everyone's going to think so and so. And so I would try to be more specific about who is the everyone. And I'm not going to name specific people on this podcast, but I had specific people Mm -hmm. that I was like, that's really what that's about. So why do you care about? What they think, and why do you think that they're thinking that way? How can you work through that and stop letting their voice be the ones that are speaking for every single person who is open to receiving you?
1: Wow, what powerful work! That's incredible. I so appreciate you sharing that because I definitely can resonate with a lot of what you just said. And what's coming up for me is that, like, you were able to be really vulnerable with yourself. And really meet yourself, like where you truly were at, in order to get to where you wanted to go, right? And without that, you wouldn't be where you are now. That's
0: pretty badass.
1: That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Thank you. So,
0: do you think that you could have made all this progress and done all these things somewhere else? Like to tie it back into New York, you said New York really like cracked you open. Do you think New York was really like a big part of that healing, or do you think you know, if you had stayed in LA, you would have made it to the same place. Like I'm so fascinated by
2: like the energies of places. And like, so I wonder. I I don't because I think when I was, and I say that because I was so wanting to come to New York, my soul was like, I want to come, but I didn't know why. I didn't know what breakthroughs were going to happen. And so I think that your environment is really important. And I had to listen to, you got to go to New York. If I didn't listen to that, I mean, who knows what could happen. I'm sure other life would have, you know, been like, okay, fine. Like we'll do it in LA or whatever. But I think that um, I had to listen to that voice. And that was one that I intuitively know. I like, I need to leave. I'm done being in Los Angeles. I knew that I was done. So I think that that was my, you know, higher self, whoever's invitation for me to get the growth that I needed very quickly. Um, (laughs) and so, yeah, I think it it made a huge difference because I was listening to myself. I was listening to that need, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think that no matter if you're changing a city or you're needing to pursue something, even fundamental hunger, I was just like, well, I know this is going to be something. I don't know what. And it just kept like eating at me, eating at me. And I'm like, I know I have to do something with this, And so those are the things where I'm like, even if it's not at a speed in which I, my ego thinks it needs to be to be successful, I'm like, I can't explain. I'm like, I can't not do this, you know? And that's how I felt about New York. I can't not go. Like, this is not up for debate. It's just more of like how and when, and we're going to have to figure it out. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: So I think definitely being in New York was tremendous for that, for sure.
0: And I'm such a big supporter of getting move away at some point, like get away from your hometown, like get away from your comfort zone. Obviously I live in a van, so I'm like a crazy (laughs) extreme version of it. But you know, like you can always go back home. Like, I think you said that earlier, you can always go back home, but I feel like just trying somewhere and like living somewhere else, you learn so much about Mm -hmm. yourself. Like whether it was New York, the place you're like being called, or even just LA, you know, we haven't really talked about LA as much, but I'm sure you learned a lot there and it all like culminates into like what you're doing now. I don't think you, you know, all those experiences like lead up into it.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And my first instinct was LA first and that led me, you know, it was, so who knows if I had come to New York before then, of course, everything would have been a little bit different, but you just have to listen to what's available, what you're ready for, being honest with what you're ready for, being honest with when you might never not feel ready, but you just got to go anyways, you know, which can be a a delicate little dance there too. But we're not always going to be ready or feel like we're ready or whatever that prepared, whatever that prepared list is that I still create sometimes, which is totally self-imposed. And I'm just like, what if it's not? What if you're exactly where you need to be? And you can just throw that list out and just be a Mm -hmm. little bit more open and less controlling.
0: Yeah. The ego gets in the way though.
2: <laughs> I know. It really does. Yeah, it's
0: crazy. yeah. So then I want to hear more about Fundamental Hunger. You had mentioned it. So let's talk about that. And what is it? You know?
2: Yeah. Uh, fundamental Hunger. I, the name actually came to me in 2020 when I was quarantining with my now partner. And I had no idea what it was going to be. I was like, oh, this is a name. This is like, I'm, like, I'm going to do something. And, you know, it was like that 2020 moment where like, we're all going to be like different people and be whatever. All of those those huge moments of just like, I'm going to rebrand my entire life and I'm going to come out, you know. And so I think there was a part of that that was happening a little bit, but at the same time, it was always there. I just didn't know what. And then it slowly, finally, like uh, that other job I left and then like I had more space for other things. And then I decided that I really wanted to have a platform that talked about what it really means to belong to myself as an individual. And how do I, how do I do that with other people? Because in my own personal life, I was really super hyper-independent and very the lone wolf and not wanting to, I'd say that I was, I had a lot of self false sense of power that I got from feeling like I had to do everything alone as opposed to being safe to let others in, but also let myself in and not have this lens that I was handing out to people of how they could see me or how I could see myself. And so I was like, what does it mean to belong to me? And for me, it always comes back to my emotions because I was so cut off from them for so long. And I just wanted a space where I could define that and talk about that with other people, specifically Black women. And, and what is like what does that mean for us individually? What does that mean together? And how do we navigate that alone? How do we navigate that together? How do we come home to ourselves? What does that even mean? So that's like the basis of fundamental hunger. And the first iteration was it was... Um, Zoom interviews because I wanted to interview people. And I was like, well, I don't want to get all the equipment. I think it's going to hold me back. So I did Zoom interviews. And then this year I launched the podcast after I finally made the LLC, which is great. And I'm doing solo episodes, which I thought I would hate. And I oh love them. And I'm like, of course I would <laughs> love them. Why did I think I would hate them? You, uh, you know, like that. solid, yeah. you like know yourself. And <laughs> And it's so fun. And I think that every time I'm in it and I'm creative and I'm having these ideas, it feels so good. And it feels so correct, even though I don't... I wouldn't say I don't know where it's going. I have ideas. But you know, when you're in that, there's like, there's not the tangible external validation of it, which makes you think that you're going in the wrong direction. But I've really come to be like, you have to be patient and you have to just trust that you're exactly where you need to be. And the speed does not equate your value of what you're bringing and what you're doing. So yeah, that's what fundamental hunger is right now. And I'm doing one-on-one sessions and, you know, especially getting all of my experience at TBM, I was ready to do that. But what I really want to do is create a workshop that I'm, you know, working on right now that I'm, that I've been dragging my feet on because kind of going back to what we've talked about, which is just, what am I doing? Do, is this going to be good enough and all this, but it, it really goes back to, I just want to do it to prove to myself that I can and that why I want to is true and it's genuine. And I just want to to, to know that I, that I didn't give up. And one day I'll look back and be like, workshops are so easy. <laughs> what was I even talking about? <laughs> Who knows? Right? You know, it's always, it's like, I've never done one. So yeah, I'm scared. It makes sense that I'm scared because I've never done it before. Mm-hmm. Right? And so- Um, yeah, that's what fundamental hunger is right now. And I, I think belonging is a very big word term and a very individual, we all have a very individual relationship to what that means. And I think that I love to get to know myself. I love getting to know myself and astrology. Maybe that's my Leo. I just love knowing all the versions of me What she's up to, what she's been up to, what she wants to do next, how she's feeling. And I just, I think I love it even more now because for so long I wasn't, I didn't put any effort, I didn't prioritize that. I was just like going, everything's fine, everything's good. I never asked, what do I need? How am I feeling? That person made me feel this way. Can I say anything? And so now I'm just like, wow, I have so much making up to do for like all the years that I (laughs) didn't. I was so separate from me. Um, and so fundamental hunger too is a place for me, like I think when I think of belonging, I'm like, what are the parts of me that I left behind that still need my attention? Mm-hmm. What are the parts that I'm clinging on to that want to be free and do other things and I'm holding on to them and they don't I don't need to grip onto them anymore? And how does that always bring me back to me and how I belong to myself? Mm-hmm. And I just want to talk about that all the time with everyone.
1: I love that. <laughs> Talk away, our friend. Talk away because we love listening. (laughs) I think that's great. So, I'm curious too for a session with someone, like, what does that look like? What, how do you navigate coaching in this space specifically?
2: Yeah. So, I really wanted to, like, I found the trend of people that typically came to me because that's always, we typically attract the things that we've been through or Mm -hmm. what we're most excited to talk about. And a lot of people, Obviously, we're mostly emotionally avoidant people who came to me because I was as well. And so I help a lot of people with their emotional avoidance, how to identify their needs, how to be in that in-between of like that identity shift where it's very raw and you're thinking, like, I wanna go here, but I'm how do I get there? But I'm also not here and I'm so scared in this in between because it's very vulnerable. And you usually wanna take walk everything back to just be like, never mind, forget it. And so I help people with that. I help people with really embodying and identifying like I think and a lot of clients that I've had that we are so scared to declare what it is that we're asking for and what it is that we're wanting. And I think that it's really sad when we pretend and we all do, I think, and I did along for a long time a lot of pretending. And I in my session, I really encourage, People to not pretend and be honest. And I let I've helped so many people finally be like, okay, this is what I, you know. Mm. And I'm like, yes, like we got there, even if it took a few times, but like, and some people, you know, depending on where you're at, it's different. But and it seems so easy, but it isn't. But how do you show up towards something, towards a goal, towards yourself when you're lying about what you're actually wanting? Mm. You have to like. First, identify and feel safe. Like that goes back to you not being timid of your own voice. Do you not being timid of what is it that I want? What who who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? What are the things that I want to say? And I think sometimes we rush to like try and prove it, and then it backfires, and we get sad. But I think step one and why I love to get to know myself is because my first steps are usually how can I be intimate with this thing with me first. Mm-hmm. And that is still moving forward before I'm like rushing out to prove what is or like, yeah, this is who I am. This is my boundary. And it's like, okay, but like, do you know why? Do you know what this is about? Do you know what you actually need? Like, you know what I'm saying? And I think we can take it a lot slower. And I think that I love to help people build that intimate relationship with themselves. And especially with people who are emotionally avoidant, that's a really scary place to be vulnerable. Mm. And so I really help people feel safe with themselves. I think that's so important. And it's all very unique and individual.
1: That's awesome. Wow. I need you. I need you in my life every day. <laughs> that's awesome. i <I'm> <laughs> mean, um, So, and it sounds like a, a multi-step process, but again, like you said, it's very individualized, right? Because I'm hearing a lot of like clarity building, a lot of connecting with yourself, obviously being true to yourself identifying what those goals are and being real about it. And I think I never really thought about it that way, but it is so important because we can't just throw ourselves out there and be like, okay, this is what I want all of a sudden. Like, this is what I'm going to do, right? But being able to find that trust within our being and our relationship with ourselves, and then stepping into it,
2: that's incredible. Yeah, you're not trying to prove, but you're just, you know, are you safe with that dream? And, And it doesn't mean that you have to be fully all of those things before you put yourself out there, I think it really is kind of happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I think you being able to hold what that is and like feel safe with it, I think is really important. And and, and then practicing in the world just strengthens that trust and safety with what with what you know. Mm-hmm.
1: Beautiful. And so yeah. how long does the process, like how long do you typically work with a client? Is it different for everyone?
2: Do you have like a structure? For yeah, um, it can be... It can be a one on one, it can be a one time and someone's like, I you know, I let people use their discretion on how many times they want to come back. If they want to come back, they can. If it's just like one and they're like, great,
1: that's awesome.
2: Like yeah. you'll know, there's no like six sessions will get you X, Y, and Z.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm sure there's obviously many modalities that work with very specific sets of time that that work. Um, but for this, it's really just people's intuitive knowing of like. Do I need more? Mm. I do definitely in, like encourage people to take time because sometimes I'll have people like, okay, so we're gonna see each other weekly. I'm like, well, no, <laughs> we don't necessarily need to and really thinking about that because I think I I want people to have autonomy and just like, let's just like try to integrate everything you learned, you know, and like give it 30 days at least mm-hmm. to like sink in and then like and then revisit what that might look like but of course again if someone wants to do it a week after i'm not going to say no but i'm just en- encouraging people to to trust that they that they got this too and so you don't need to immediately have to come back right away mm-hmm. it's not like that mm-hmm.
1: i love that cuz that is mirroring what the work that you're doing with is with them right like they're learning to trust in themselves to know when it's time to come back right and not necessarily prescribing to them like you need to come back x y and z and as a therapist, I feel mm-hmm. like that's what the insurance world does. That's what the therapy world does. It's like weekly yes. sessions for this long. Certain therapies are like you have to do X, Y, and Z, and then you'll be healed. It doesn't work that way for everyone. So I think mm-hmm. even the way that you're structuring your work is is really empowering for people to really genuinely come back to themselves. So and it's so cool. It's
2: awesome. Yeah, and I know how I work too, and I like people to one like show up and be open and willing participants of this journey. It's not just me, it's them and what they're bringing as well. And so I also never want to feel like I'm a crutch for somebody that feels not great to Mm -hmm. me. So if I have a sense that that's what could possibly be happening, I kind of have to, you know, voice in a kind way that like, Hey, you know, like, let's talk about this. Right. Because personally for me to that doesn't feel good for me and i want to be able to show up and feel you know like we're both here and we're giving what we have but not a dependency and that's everyone's own individual journey but like you know for my own energy and like well-being like that's important for me too as the as the person who's offering the session mm-hmm.
1: yeah so what do you do for yourself around like when you hold sessions to
2: not take other people's energy on and kind of create your safe space to support someone else? In the beginning, it was actually really hard when I was practicing being a coach and like those first times, cause I felt responsible for the other person, which is just another, you know, dependency. Like, oh my God, they depend on me. I'm like, oh, I have to like, make sure that they get all of these things in this one hour. And it's like, first of all, No, we're talking about things that go on for like it's impossible, and you're not responsible for their healing. You are responsible for showing up fully in this one hour, with as much as you can, with what they provide and how much they're willing to to give. Right, and so I had to first break that kind of codependency of like being responsible for and feeling like I am the one who needs to make sure they get X, Y, and Z. And it's like well, no, it's not just me in the room. And I'm not responsible for this person's well-being. I hope that I am one step towards the healing that they're receiving in life in general. And if it's one time for one hour and I never see them again, I really hope that I made an impact. Um, And so changing that really helped me with the energy thing. I don't really feel that anymore now that I've really moved through like taking things on for other people. I'm like, you come, you show up. You always show up. You do what you can, and they're also responsible. And if they have questions, we can we can answer them in the time that's allotted. You know, and it's just kind of it's I can still care and not you know hold the weight of of how I think they need to like transcend in this like one session. It's like I can't. I'm not that powerful. I and I think because it was coming from a place that was. I just want to make sure they're okay. That, that kind of energy, I think it can feel like you're not being, you're not robbing someone of their autonomy, but that's exactly what I was doing. It's just not in like an aggressive way. So people, so you might think that like, it's innocent. It's fine. Like, I just care. And it's like, no, you're actually taking away their ability to trust because you're thinking that you, without you, it's not going to happen. And that's really unfair. There's no consent there and it's disempowering for both parties.
1: I am so grateful you just said that. You're so right that it could be so dangerous, but because it comes from a good place of people trying to support other people, they think they're doing the right thing, right? But at the end of the day, your job isn't that. Like your job is to hold that space for them, right? To step into their own autonomy and own power.
2: That's so important. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and you need to have that that space where you can give and also receive and they can do the same thing. But if you're like, I'm responsible, if that's the energy you're putting out there, it's like, it's so, it makes me feel so like it, it, like, you know, think about like, if you're the recipient of that energy, I don't know. I don't feel good with that. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I don't want to give that out. Even if someone can't name it, it's still in the air. And so I had to really realize what is it you're actually doing and you're doing that because you want to feel secure and confident and valuable to make sure that you did everything you could to help them and that they need you. And you're getting some type of validation from that, but it's not coming from a genuine good place either. And that's not how I want to hold a session. Um, So after I've working through that and identifying and being like, oh, you're actually not creating an autonomous space for you or them, it's been a lot much easier to not take anything on. Just like you know, like, all right, Done. So yeah, I don't really feel that's that's that was my kind of journey. Hopefully that's helpful to really identify what I was doing and just be like, oh, that's why this feels so heavy because you think you're responsible for this person's mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Oh, I so appreciate you saying that and sharing that. Thank you.
2: Yeah, you're welcome.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. So we like to wrap up every episode. Asking about curiosity because that's kind of the foundation of our podcast. And so we wanted to know what you are currently curious about right now and how do you stay curious in life, which you are very curious mm-hmm. as you've described yourself. So, yeah, <laughs> excited to hear.
2: I think that curiosity for me, I know it feels correct when there isn't an agenda and there isn't a attachment to the outcome or like what I'm going to get from it. I think that that really kills my curiosity personally, because it can be seen as like, oh, I'm interested in this. And then all of a sudden it's like, but it didn't turn out this way and it didn't do this and it didn't bring me X. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not the point of being curious. So one curiosity for me is like being open and I'm just like, oh, I'm going to follow that because I want to, not because it's going to get me this. And so I have to kind of catch myself when I'm, when I am curious but it's entangled with this like this agenda at the end right and and I think that that's what ruins that curiosity for me so right now like I'm really curious about obviously fundamental hunger belonging but I'm really curious about like what my next kind of educational pursuit's going to be I'm really open I have a lot of all of these ideas and then kind of bring it back to my other point I'm like okay well when do you need to do it? and then thats start I start getting all these other thoughts. I'm like you're no longer being curious. you're being you're being like <laughs> on a timeline and you think this is gonna speed things up and like that's not curiosity like, and that's not gonna really allow me to intuitively hear my yeses and my nose or even see like what's in front of me, right? because I'm not available because I'm like, this is the outcome or whatever, mm-hmm. or this is what I need to figure it out by. But I'm really curious about like, what that's going to be, because I'm interested in a lot of things. And I'm like, what do I want to learn about? Like, how do I want to help people? And I have ideas, but I don't really know which direction it's going to go or like where what I'm going to land on. And my curiosity to remind myself I'm being curious is just like, it will unfold more and more. It's unfolding even in this conversation when I'm talking to you guys. It's going to unfold maybe later in my day. But I think that that's really what I'm curious about, like my growth and like, Building fundamental hunger and how I want to really help people, I am really am curious about that. And also working on making sure that I'm not cutting it at the knees because I am, like, I have all these other agendas and my ego is like, okay, then then do it this, and then it has to be before 2023, and then you know, and I'm like, okay, you're killing the curiosity. You're no longer having fun. So I think curiosity for me is fun, and like sometimes I just. I can get such in a rabbit hole. I don't know if you guys do that when you are into something and I'm just like, oh my God, I want to know everything about that one thing. And like, I'll do that with specific like tools and I'll get bored of it. And then not bored, but I'm like, okay, I think I'm done. I'm trying to think of like the last time I did that with something. I can't like think of it, but I definitely get in those phases where I'm just like, oh, I want to learn everything about this thing. This is so cool. And I want to hear every podcast about this person talking about this thing. It's so cool. You know what I mean? And it's, it can be really fun. And that's when I know I'm curious because I am just like, I just want to know. I just want to know. I want to know. And I want to practice. I want to try it out. But there's nothing more than just like, I want to like absorb it. And then I think once I've absorbed, I'm like, okay, I'm like, I can move on. to something yeah. like I don't know why it's escaping me the last time I had that kind of borderline obsession curiosity <laughs> but um, it's always fun when it comes yeah mm-hmm. um, yeah and you're not thinking about like what does this mean or why am I why am I interested in this I'm like I'm just interested mm-hmm. like let me just lean in really hard for weeks mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and <then> move on
1: <laughs> yeah yeah well and I, I think I like the way that you phrase that too because to me how I'm reflecting back on that's like it real curiosity fills your soul. It doesn't feel the ego, right? It doesn't feel mm-hmm. the like, oh, now yeah. I'm getting this out of this or this out of this. It like genuinely is fun for your spirit. And that's such a good way to explain it.
2: I love that. Yeah, exactly. Like when I would get into like a human design thing or like an astrology thing, and i am kind of in like, I have these one podcast i listen listened to and they give me weekly updates and I'm like so fascinated by it. Or I'm like, oh, like, my Chiron, like, yeah, what is that? My wound, like, what is it? And I'm like going all in. And it's just fun because I just like love to know. I love being curious about things that allow me to get deeper knowing and feeling and compassion and connection with me. Mm -hmm. So that's always really fun. But I'll let you know the next time I have a curiosity spiral. Yeah,
0: Yeah, keep us posted. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, please do because then Alyssa and I will probably join right in. We're always like... I feel like I have like ADHD almost with like every day. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm so obsessed with this thing. I'm so obsessed with this thing. Like I can't, for more than a day, I can't like stick with anything it feels like. (laughs) That's Chelsea in a nutshell, but we love it. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) I love it so much. That's awesome. Well, do you have anything else that you want to share with everyone to wrap up?
2: Um no, I mean if you want to learn more about fundamental, definitely go on my website, fundamentalhunger.life, and you can find the podcast there. I also have a newsletter that comes out twice a month. I try and get a podcast episode now, twice a month. I don't know how people do it weekly. Bless. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I truly am just like <laughs> it's a whole it's it's wild mm-hmm. so that people can do that. And maybe one day I will. But for now, two is good since I'm doing it by myself. Um, but they're fun. And so you can find me there and then on my Instagram, which I'm sure you guys will put in the show notes if you want, if you're curious you about go. me and New York yeah. and my life, then that's where you can, everyone can follow me. Awesome.
1: Well, thank you so much. This was such a special episode and we're so excited for everyone to listen. But thank you for your time and your energy. Yeah. And we, we that's so fun. Thank you. thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. This episode was so fun. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to rate and subscribe, and we love connecting with you all over on Instagram at the moon in your mind. Send us a DM and let us know what you think. Sending love to you all.